When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Football full circle. We're bringing in in this hour Joe Lisi at Go for the Two on Twitter, uh, our college football resident expert and all around football expert. But uh, uh, Joe, when you and I were doing football full circle a couple of months back, we were talking XFL, and uh, that <laughs> that has gone by the wayside. Uh, college football, uh, we're seeing that we may see significant delays there. We might be losing the start of the NFL season, at least the on-time start of the NFL season. So uh, we're losing things by the day. I, I, hopefully you joining me here and, and George tonight will uh, stop stem the tide uh, of football washing away on us. Yeah, well, I'm going to be the optimist here. I'm going to hold tight and say I think the NFL and college season does stand and kick off on time, August 29th, in terms of the first week zero uh, slate of games and then followed by the Labor Day weekend, September 2nd and 3rd. But the NFL draft is behind us. I think the NFL is going to start on time as well, but we'll see how it plays out. They took the XFL. I don't think they could take the NFL or the college football season away from us. Yeah, George, we've we've heard ADs like Jack Swarbrick from Notre Dame talk about if there's no if there's no school in session, we're not going to put the players out there to play football. Uh, I think that makes sense to me. And as you and I have talked about, uh, I can't see how the students are going to be back in on time. Well, it's going to come down to health versus money. That's really what it's going to come down to. Uh, do you want to make the money have the season start, or do you want to go with the health? The overall health, there's no way they're going to be able to play. You can't justify it. How are you going to have where the 80-man rosters, all the uh, players on the sidelines, it's a couple hundred people on the sidelines or on the field, and then go back to your campuses the next day or two days later? How is that going to work and not infect other people and how the virus keeps spreading? I don't see how that works by August. Like I said, things could change. There could be something that uh, 
breaks in the medical field where we're going to be okay. But I just don't see that. Not in the next three, four months. The NFL is already planning, okay, we're hoping for September, but October may be more realistic. NFLs are pros. Colleges are kids. I mean, I don't see how this is going to work. Like, oh, yeah, you're a bunch of kids. I mean, yes, the top guys may want to play because they're going on the NFL, but most aren't. And you want to yeah. risk, you know, your health. You know, maybe lives is probably being a little dramatic, but you want to risk your health to go play for really what's very little gain here. I don't see how this is going to work, not in three or four months. Joe, I, I guess the, the problems and the questions that anybody would have, and certainly some of the ones that I have, is that you have 128 uh, FBS schools, or is it 130? Let's uh, get the number mixed up. So we have them, we have these teams, these players, these fans in varying states, obviously, and cities. And uh, due to the fact that they're all over the country, we've obviously seen various levels of impact. Some a school like Rutgers has been far closer to the epicenter of what's going on with coronavirus than uh, perhaps a school in uh, Oregon or Idaho or Montana, some of those FCS schools, for example. Uh, so it's going to be difficult to say that this school is fine so they can get out there and play when a school that's been really impacted, like cities, schools around the city of Detroit or, or Philadelphia or New York, would be impacted. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides. Here's what I look at in terms of the whole situation, in terms of the students and the players. I mean, they don't go into session until late August, right? So, I mean, we're only in May right now. We still have three full months. Now, testing obviously is a big concern for everyone, but it's not just that. If these, if these states open and we're going to have around 30 to 40 open within the next month, and then hopefully the other remaining 11 open up overall, including Puerto Rico, right? If everything is open, how can you say that stadiums can't be open, kids can't be online, half online, half in class, and then have the, uh, you know, uh, athletes in, in dormitories practicing in their respective facilities. I think it comes down to two factors as well. It comes down to the simple fact of these schools need the money. I mean, you go to a school like Alabama and Auburn, that's the biggest revenue driver for those respective states overall. There is no NFL. If they shut down for the year in terms of collegiate athletics, they're not going to have local businesses. They're not going to have anything. And the SEC is one conference that's moving forward with this that says we don't need everybody to, to start a college football season. And if the SEC is on board and then let's say the ACC is on board in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is lagging, there's going to be pressure for that conference to open up. Week number two, you have Ohio State at Oregon. Who's not going to want to watch that game with the TV rights and the Vegas perspective, Vegas is not going to lose out on the college and pro season. I'm telling you that that's going to be a pressure factor as well. Yeah, George. So I'll, Joe, I'll come back to you in a minute on perhaps uh, alternate solutions. But George, I, I think Joe is sort of leaning towards or leading towards something. And that's that we're seeing this play out in sort of the political landscape some people, some states, some governors, mayors are going to seem to look insensitive to others when they feel it's absolutely vital for them to be able to do something for their community if they feel their community is not in a great deal of harm. Well, listen, I don't want to get into the politics of this because we could talk about this all day. Yeah, but, uh, it, there, but it, mir it mirrors it, I guess, is the only it thing. It does. Oh, I, I agree. What Joe was saying is right. Listen, it, it's going to come down to money. Are these states going to want to lose the money? And they will get crushed. 
if they don't have the college sports or professional sports for that matter. Now, the NFL and college football will have the advantage of seeing the mistakes or the things that go well in Major League Baseball, the NHL, NBA, and MLS, because they're all going to start within the next six, seven weeks, eight weeks as well. They may be successful. They may not be. The problem with the NFL is, unlike baseball, you can pretty much keep the players away from each other, right? You're not going to have fans in the stands. So, if, you know, I don't think the players will be in the dugout. They'll be in the stands waiting for their turn at bat. You know, yes, the runner on first base, the first baseman could be close, especially when they slide in there. Basketball, yeah, there'll be contact. Hockey, there'll be contact. How's that going to work? Is that going to transmit the disease? Football, there's a lot of contact. You're literally going to have 10, 12 players kidding each other every play, probably more on average most plays. How do you de how do you defend that? And say, okay, no, it's not going to get, no, these guys all tested negative. Well, you may test negative one day. It doesn't mean you're not going to be positive the next day. And, you know, how do you justify all those tests they want to use, too? The NFL, they want to go, what, we've heard of five to one. So if they have to use, you know, 1,000 tests a week, they'll donate 5,000. And that's fine. I think that's a fine donation. Will college do the same? You know, but still, how are you going to stop the spread of this virus, this pandemic? And let's not forget, most, most medical professionals tell you that they expect this disease, this virus, to come back when it gets cold up north, yeah. November, yeah. December. What, what happens then if this starts to pump up? How are we going to stop this? When does health become more important than money? Yeah, uh, yeah. and Joe, I, and I think George's point there, I think that's the reason you can't count on any fans at all because the epicenter of the spread of the disease in Italy was at a soccer match. Uh, we wouldn't want the second wave to happen in multiple states because of a college football game. That's not to say that they can't play at all, but I think fans being there is going to be difficult. Now, back to you. We have about five minutes left, so we can get into this topic. What about alternate solutions? Yes, we'll want to start late August and early September, but what about pushing it back? What about no... Uh, non-conference games. What are some of the alternate solutions that you think are viable? Like when could the season start? Could it start later? Could it start in January? Could it start in the spring? And or could they have just get rid of non-conference games and just play out the conference schedules? Yeah, they can. The non-conference schedule though happens to be one of the most intriguing conferences in terms of that schedule sets up whether teams make the college football playoff or not for the most part. It's the it's the strength of schedule, who they beat, who they lost to. So yeah. that's why I don't want to see those non-conference games go to the wayside. They can start it in January, but then they're up against the TV rights of college basketball. And if college basketball lost March Madness this past March to go up against college football and the college football playoff in, let's say, January, February, March, and a national championship game in April – could be devastating to college basketball. So yeah, that's the other factor as well. I mean, they can push it back a month and it starts in October, but I understand both sides, but we don't know for sure. And it's not perfect. Everybody wants a perfect science. Science isn't perfect. We know that it might be here. And if it's here in two, three, four, five years, we can't just say we'll wait around and not do anything until we get a zero person that doesn't test positive that might never happen just right. like flu is around so that's the other alternative that people need to keep in mind is that unfortunately if there's treatments where they don't get sick 
for long periods of time, but they go to the doctor, they get a treatment, and they're only sick for three or four days, that's what a regular cold is. If we can condense it with the testing, that might be an opportunity for these schools to open as well. Uh, George, one other problem with potentially pushing the season back is that those players that are conceivably eligible to play college football and then would then be eligible for the draft are, are going to pass. If you're Trevor Lawrence and the season starts in January, hypothetically, you're out. You're you're waving the white flag. You're saying, I'm out of high school three years. I don't have to play another down, and I'm the number one pick in the draft. So I love Clemson, but I'm out. Right. Yeah. Your value would never be as high as it, as it is right now, pretty much, yeah. right? We all the tank for Trevor, the lose for Lawrence mm -hmm. uh, for next season. So, yeah, you're going to have that problem as well. But as Joe said, there, there is no perfect solution. All right? No matter what they do, there's going to be problems. You know, I bring this up in the NFL all the time. You know, the NFL starts, what happens if, you know, week three, they start in September. By week three, let's say Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, and I don't know, Drew Brees all come down with the virus. Do they cancel the season? Oh, we got to stop, like the NBA did, which started the, the ball rolling here. Do they go on? What are the rules going to be in place? College has got to do the same thing. What happens if all of a sudden, I don't know, 15 players in Alabama come down with the coronavirus? Is that it? Are they stopping? What are they going to do? You know, that's why you have to learn from what, see what happens in baseball, basketball, hockey, and uh, soccer when they start up again. And they will. These, I think these sports are all going to come back probably six to eight weeks before the college football season were to start. And you'll see what works and what doesn't. But the difference with college football is you're not pros. They're not professionals. They're kids, 18 to 22-year-olds pretty much. So how do you, that has to be handled so much differently than how you would handle a professional who's getting paid to play. I don't want to say he's getting paid to risk their life or risk their health. They're not. Although in football, I guess you could make that argument anyway. But it's different for kids. These kids are not getting paid. The majority of them are not getting paid. They're not going anywhere after college football. Right? They're going to go yeah. into regular lives, regular jobs. And you, I think you have to weigh that very seriously about risking their future health. Yeah, Joe, you, you talked about the money. The, the estimated loss from not airing March Madness to the NCAA and the schools was in the neighborhood of $940 million. If college football were to not play at all, it would be a loss of $6.5 billion. And if that were to happen, it would shutter athletic programs across the country. Certainly any non-revenue generating sports would be canceled uh, permanently by certain schools. We've already seen uh, some slight pairing back of non-revenue generating sports. So about 10 seconds, I'll give you the last word on that. Yeah, a lot of these programs are at losses in terms of if it weren't for the college basketball or college football program. So it'll be unfortunate if they can't start, a lot of programs will be cut from respective schools. Yeah, so uh, we'll come back, we'll talk We'll focus back on the NFL a little bit, get Joe and George's thoughts on the Rams and Texans draft. Uh, so we'll do that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. 
Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Back on FFC, thanks for joining us here. If you want to follow us, do so at SportsGrid on Twitter and on Instagram at SportsGridTV. George at George Kurtz, Joe Lisi at Go for the Two. I'm at Mike Blewett. So we're talking about our final two teams in our draft reviews. And we'll start it off with the Los Angeles Rams, possibly moving into a new stadium. Uh, well, definitely moving into a new stadium. It's just not a matter of when. I think a Taylor Swift concert is supposed to kick it off sometime in the summer. That doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think soon. that's happening. Yeah, so, um, so maybe maybe football will be the actual thing that kicks it off. But, uh, George, when we're talking about the Rams, you and I went through a, a review of what happened to them this offseason. They're fully capped out. They don't have any first-round picks. Both this year they didn't have one, and they won't have next year uh, via the Jalen Ramsey trade. They still haven't extended Jalen Ramsey uh, because they're capped out. Uh, and really going into this draft, it was going to be important that they selected players that were going to be able to uh, fit in right away. We'll get into the players in a second, but that's sort of the team going in. They needed guys that were going to impact them right away because they lost so many guys. They lost Corey Littleton. They lost Clay Matthews. They got Michael Brockers back, luckily because the Ravens deal fell through, but they needed to impact players. Yeah, the Ravens deal, that was weird, right? Brockers, uh, Ravens failed as physical, whatever. Mm-hmm. See, they, they always said they didn't want him. So that, you could say that worked out for the Ravens. I think they got a better player in Broncos who could still play the game, but he's part of the reason they have cap issues as well. They're going to have to make some yes, moves sir. here to get under the cap. So we'll see what they do there. I believe Clay Matthews has also filed a grievance against them for about $2 million, uh, as part of it. I guess he thinks they, they owe him money, so we'll see how that works out as well. I bring that up because I wonder if, is that $2 million counted against the cap right now or probably not counted against the cap right now? So if yeah. they lose that grievance, it's more money they got to worry about. Right. As far as Clay Matthews is concerned, we'll see there. As far as their draft, I was covering the Rams uh, for our draft coverage. So, uh, boy, I had to wait a long time to talk about them. Uh, it's, you know what? They're a team, Mike. They went for it, right? They lost the Super Bowl, so it didn't work out for them, but they went for it. They traded pretty much everything away. You know, they went for it sort of again last year at Ramsey, and now they're going to pay that price. They, get, they have to re-sign him to whatever amount he's going to want. But they went for it. They released Todd Gurley. Ate, a lot of cap space they're eating there. You, uh, you drove Cam Akers. 
he wasn't. I thought they needed a running back. I, there's no way I would have trusted the duo they had going there before Acres. Uh, I don't think Acres would have been my guy. And since Joe Lisi's the college guy, I leave it to you, Joe. If you had, if you were going to take a running back, second pick, would it have been Acres in the second round? I would have taken DeAndre Swift. Now, Acres is a poor man's Dalvin Cook, backed up Dalvin Cook when he was there, came on. It uh, was not the same type of running back. Now, a problem with Florida State uh, offensive line over the last couple of years was one of the worst there. It started under Jimbo Fisher and started ended with Willie Taggart uh, last year. But the problem with uh, Florida State overall, they only averaged – they were ranked 126 out of 129 teams two years ago, only averaging 91 rushing yards per game. Last year, they got it up to 137. Acres, a solid performance. He could catch the football out of the backfield, but he's a dual threat, but I still would have taken DeAndre Swift over Cam Akers if he was there. Joe, let me ask it a different way, because Hilaire goes first, Swift goes second, Taylor goes third. The Rams, with the 20th pick of the second round, selected Akers. Behind him... Also in the fifth round. Now, keep in mind, five running backs went off the board in the second round. Um, it was Swift, then Taylor, then Akers. And J.K. Dobbins and A.J. Dillon went right behind them. Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round after him. Is Akers the best of that group? He is. He's more athletic in that sense, and I think he's got bigger upside. The problem with Cam Akers, a lot of carries. He was the workhorse for Florida State with a banged-up offensive line. He took a lot of hits in college. So how does that project to the next level? Does he have a lot left in the tank? J.K. Dobbins, if he was available, he would have been a better pick because of I think he's a fresher running back overall at this point in his career and a better offensive line. Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't like as a durable dual threat. I, again, I said it on the NFL draft night. He compiled a lot of yards against subpar defenses. Uh, the better defenses in the SEC, he did not step up. So Cam Akers out of that group would be the better selection of those running backs that you mentioned. Yeah. So Dobbins close, but you like Akers a little bit better. I get it. So, all right. So they went with Akers there, George, second pick. Um, their, their, their first pick, but again, the 20th pick, they get a wide receiver, Van Jefferson. Then Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. He's an outside linebacker. Terrell Burgess at safety. Bryson Hopkins at tight end. They now have Everett there. They got Hopkins. They, they've been stacking tight ends, trying to make something stick. Hopefully, uh, somebody breaking out. We'll see if Hopkins can be an option there. Then safety inside linebacker, again, they're, they're drafting at need because they, they did lose linebacker, so they picked up a couple in this draft, George. They did, but you know what? Now, when you draft Jefferson, this is what I didn't understand. It certainly was, an area, uh, was not an area of need. I know you got rid of Cooks. All right, but you have Cooper Cup, you got Robert Woods, even Josh Reynolds. I think is more than uh, capable of being a third wide so, receiver there. Yeah. That's not the issue there, right? I mean, the issue was offensive line. In my mind, that's where the problem was, right? You, I would when we take. I don't have a problem with Acres, right? You knew you were getting rid of Gurley, and I certainly don't trust Dowell Henderson and Malcolm Brown to really, you know, bring it home. So you want to get Acres? I'm good with that. I might have cho chosen Dobbins ahead of him, but I'm good with that. That's where that question I was going with Joe to see if he would have taken Dobbins, but he liked Acres. Fine, I'm good with that. But you have problems up and down the offensive line. I'm, you know, Whitworth is a thousand years old, and you have other issues there. Well, guys playing out of position, injuries there. I don't understand the Jefferson pick. I would have gone offensive line here to fix this up, but I do wonder: is this your way of trying to judge Goff? who had a miserable year last year. He was bad. You give him a running back now. Now you gave him another wide receiver. You give him the weapons. You mentioned the tight end, although Everett's fine too. If he can get some kind of protection, is this how you're going to judge if Goff is the man long-term? I know you got the long-term contract there, but you can get out of it in a year or two. 
So I wonder if this is their way of judging him. But is it fair to judge him if he's running for his life in 1.8 seconds, in two seconds? That's yeah. my issue here. I would have gone offensive line here, and there were a couple of linemen that fell to them here in their second pick in the second round. Joe, do you think that somebody like Bryson Hopkins or Van Jefferson can be an impact on the offensive side of the ball? It, whether it's as rookies or not it is not necessarily the question, but longer term? Yeah, I mean, Hopkins is a guy that, you know, they could utilize in the slot. He's a hybrid type of tight end for Purdue. I mean, he, he's a, a Kelsey type of player. Now, he's not as smooth of a route runner, but I think he could develop. So I think he could be a player in the next year or so that you have to keep an eye on for that offense with Everett. Uh, Van Jefferson's more of a raw wide receiver. He led Florida with uh, receptions last year and yards of around 650, but they weren't a lethal offense in terms of just throwing on each and every down like Joe Burrow and LSU. So they needed a rushing attack. Kyle Trask came on, but he's a raw wide receiver, good speed and can develop, but not an elite wide receiver in my opinion. But I'll disagree with George in this regard. I think Daryl Henderson can be a player in this league. I mean, I, I know he was banged up for mu much of last year, but I think he's a player that can develop and put up yards a la Todd Gurley. Now with Akers in there, I think he could be a solid NFL running back. I just don't know why he wasn't given the opportunity. But I, what I would have, I would have the same question as George. It's behind what line? The, the, the whole reason that they got to the Super Bowl was based on really good offensive line play, opening up holes be, with good play calling and good offensive line play. They got to the Super Bowl, and Todd Gurley was the MVP of the league until you know he got he, he would have blown through the Super Bowl potentially, earning them uh, a Super Bowl win had he not gotten hurt there. We still don't know to this day exactly what happened and when and and everything else, but. Um, I just don't know what they're going to do. George, the only thing I could think of in the way that this offense is constructed is that it would just be two seconds and out and Goff spreading the ball around. But the defense, at least the front line of the defense, doesn't stink. So they're not going to look like we thought the Panthers might look before they went an entirely uh, an entire defensive draft. You know what I mean? I, I Like if Goff was the type of guy to get the ball out of his hands quickly and spread it around, maybe that'll alleviate the offensive line issues, but they picked a running back. Yeah, your teams say that. We're going to throw short pairs, but everybody gets impatient. All right, you just get in. You know, you don't do it. You want to throw the ball deep. You want to get big chunks of yardage. Plus, in the NFL, it's hard to throw, you know, five yards, five yards, five, you know, you're going to make mistakes. What happens when you get that right. penalty, that holding penalty? Now it's first and 20. Well, you know, five yards doesn't work anymore. You can throw the ball deeper. So I think that's their issue there. I, I think the defense is solid, maybe even more than solid. Right? Defensive yeah. line's good. Secondary is, is at least solid, if not uh, better than solid. I just don't – listen, it's all on Goff anyway, but I don't think it's fair to really judge him, once again, if he has no time to throw. I just, I just found it a weird pick to take Van Jefferson and not the offensive line to help him out here, especially when you seem to be wanting to give him all the other options. You know, yeah. give him his weapons there. He has, he had plenty of them anyway. It was just, it was just a strange pick for me. I'm not even a ramp fan. I was disappointed when they took uh, Jefferson over an offensive lineman. Yeah. So, Joe, you know, I, I think we're looking at some guys like they're a starting linebacking core right now. It could be Samson Ebicom, Terrell Lewis, the guy they, they just drafted, uh, Micah Kaiser, Leonard Floyd. You know, Leonard Floyd is coming off a disappointing first uh, contract with the Bears. Could he potentially catch on? He's He's been a bust, but it's just a one-year, $10 million deal. As we often say, there's no bad one-year deals, right? You take a shot with anybody. But is Terrell Lewis the type of guy that can slot in an outside linebacker as a rookie and make plays? He can. He's athletic. And I think he had a better 
better 2018 season than he did in 2019. So he's a player that I think is very physical at the point of attack, plays with a motor, can run sideline to sideline. The one concern I have for uh, L.A.'s defense last year is they got worn down by big physical offensive lines. That game against Baltimore, they could not stop the run, and that really transitioned towards the second half of the season. So for me – you have a player like Leonard Floyd who's a tweener. He's a more of an edge rusher. He's not solid in run support. He's a guy that can get to the quarterback and cover backs out of the backfield. They need guys that can run stuff. Then you have Aaron Donald. You put another defensive tackle alongside of him. That'll clog running lanes and allow those linebackers to fill gaps. That's the way you solve uh, L.A.'s defense. George, they are posted at eight and a half is their win total for this year. They're going to be playing the AFC East and the NFC East this year. Uh, Rams at eight and a half. They went nine and seven last year, missed the playoffs. They would have been the seventh team uh, in. Uh, we have now have seven playoff teams. Uh, you think they have a shot at the playoffs this year? Well, you're playing San Fran twice. I think they're going to eat your offensive line alive. Seattle's a good team as well. And Arizona's improved. I can't see getting more, no more than three wins in your division there, and I think that might be being kind. NFC East, you, know, you can be the Giants and Redskins. There's five. Dallas and Eagles will be tougher. AFC East, Miami, it's – boy, eight sounds about right. I wouldn't bet it either way here. I think they are around an eight and eight, nine and seven team. If that line holds up, I can see them doing damage. But if they have issues, I can see them falling apart here. So uh, I'm going to say no, Orfe. I'm going to say they don't get to eight, eight and a half wins. I'll say they stop at eight, eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got uh, official schedules are obviously being released. But, Joe, uh, quick thought on eight and a half wins for the Rams. Yeah, I think they're under eight and a half. Again, physicality, they're a finesse team. If they don't jump up and establish the tempo, they struggle, especially with heavy offensive lines. So I'm going to say under because I think Seattle could be the team to beat in that division. Yeah, I, I think they're the third best team in their division at best. Uh, Arizona coming on strong. I, I, I just really worried about how top heavy they are. A couple of key injuries, and the team is toast. If Aaron Donald ever got hurt, or a couple of key Cooper Cup got hurt again, they'd be in a, a world of hurt trying to get, um, just trying to generate offense. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Houston Texans in the next sec- in the next segment on FFC right here on the. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all, even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Back on football, full circle, Joe Lisi, George Kurtz, myself, Mike Blewett, talking about the Houston Texans and a review of their draft. So I left them for last because they got beat up by just about everybody, George. They got beat up a lot. A lot of Bill O'Brien getting yeah, beat up. again. For, yeah, for the DeAndre Hopkins trade. And they've done a lot. They've made a lot of moves. Now, individually... I've actually tried to defend some of these moves. I thought the Brandon Cooks move, which they did after... Now, look, there's no defending what they got for DeAndre Hopkins. None. They didn't get enough, as evidenced by the fact that the next day, the the Vikings got more for Stephon Diggs. DeAndre Hopkins, compared to Stephon Diggs, everybody's taking Hopkins just about every time. Diggs is a great player, but he's not DeAndre Hopkins. So nobody's defending that. But... It's not inconceivable that they made the right move to trade him when they could because he was going to ask for $20 million. He didn't have a great relationship with the coach. They have to pay Laramie Tunsil. They have to pay Deshaun Watson. There's going to be salary cap issues that made it necessary, George, to move on from Hopkins because of what he was potentially going to demand in the salary. Conversely, they brought in Brandon Cooks. They traded the second-round pick that they got. They get Brandon Cooks. He comes in on only an eight-year deal. So individually, I can defend these moves. But they are evidence, unfortunately, of the fact that the Texans are chasing their tail. They've been wheeling and dealing for a full year. Tunsil, uh, Hopkins, Cooks, we got Kenny Stills. We're trading picks in. We're trading picks out. And now here they are. They walk into a draft, and they only get five players. Yeah, I can't defend the moves. Because once again, I'd go the opposite with you. All right, you decided that Tunsil was worth signing more than DeAndre Hopkins. I agree. Tunsil is a, a good to solid offensive lineman. I certainly wouldn't call him great or, you know, a brick wall where no one's getting by him. DeAndre Hopkins is, if not the best wide receiver in football, he's top three. So I, I'd have paid the man. I'd have paid the man. And you, didn't, you just didn't get enough. If he gets enough back, none of this is a problem. All right, you didn't want to pay and you want to pay the other positions and you got value for him, but you didn't get enough back. In my mind, this speaks to me of why didn't they talk to the Buffalo Bills no about idea. 
same division. I'm at the same conference. That, that had to be what it was, same conference. Or either that, or you so overvalued David Johnson, where you think he's the next coming of Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, or whatever, that he's going to be a transcendent player here. I just don't get it. But you made the deal for uh, Tunsil, and you didn't even bring up, you, you pretty much gave Clowney away last year. Mm-hmm. You're paying him to play for Seattle. How does any of this make sense? I, I, that's why I can't, I can't defend any of this. You know, and you, you, then you signed Randall Cobb, and that was all, in my mind, that was just PR. Let's get, let's stop people from talking about this trade. We'll sign Cobb, because he's a named player. You signed him at $9 million a year, and that didn't make a lot of sense. That's overpaying him. You know, and Brandon Cooks, okay, I don't mind that. You didn't give up a hell of a lot for him, but still, you give up draft pick value. I mean, you're throwing a lot of mud against the wall here in my mind. Cobb, Hook, Cooks, let's see if, if something sticks. Why is Cooks keep going up from team to team to team? You know, Saints, Patriots, Rams, now you got them. They're yeah. all wrong, and you're going to be right? What have you shown? You're going to be right about anybody. Yeah. I have my mind, this is a, a, this is a mess. This is the definition of why a coach should not be a GM. Yeah, so their wide receiving core going into this year, Joe Lisi, is Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb, Kiki Kuti, and a key guy in Will Fuller. I'm of the opinion that I think another one of these guys is going to get traded. We heard those rumors being bandied about during the draft weekend. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they moved on from another one of these players before or during the season to try to get some sort of a draft pick. But I don't know what the market is for anybody. The the two most valuable talents are Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and they're both hurt all the time. Yeah, incredible. It's like they have a regurgitated wide receiver core. And, and as someone who was holding a Houston Texans uh, Super Bowl ticket, when they had the 24 to nothing lead in, in Kansas City <laughs> and blew it, I'm not too high on what Bill Bryan has done right now. So how do you get rid of DeAndre Hopkins? How do you get David Johnson? I mean, David Johnson, again, he's a journeyman running back. I know from a fantasy perspective, he made people money. But just from a talent perspective, you could have gotten that in the draft. You didn't need to trade for David Johnson. What they did in this draft, they have complementary pieces, but this isn't going to transcend this team in any capacity. So, uh, again, you need to make Deshaun Watson happy. He's one of the most lethal quarterbacks in the NFL, and now you take away his biggest weapon. And what's he left with right now? He doesn't have a pure number one wide receiver. Kenny Stills, I mean, ex-New Orleans, Saint, Miami, Dolphin, couldn't cut it with them. I mean, come on, man. You got to do better. Your your hope would be that Fuller and or Cooks can stay healthy for the year. That's that's a dynamic receiving core. If Randall Cobb is your third option and he's healthy too, but I mean, what are we trying to do here? We we know these guys have all been hurt. I think they're all great talents, but they got hurt. And Randall Cobb, excuse me, Brandon Cooks is the most dangerous one of all. He's got concussion issues. Another, he's already got five. I, I'm. It's conceivable that he should have already be retired, but. If he gets another one, every concussion that he he gets, he's going to have to talk about retirement. Every single one. Uh, so, anyway, that that's it. That that's just the backstory for what happened on draft weekend. So they end up with Ross Blacklock, the d- defensive tackle out of TCU, Jonathan Greenard out of Florida, Charlie Heck, offensive tackle out of North Carolina, uh, cornerback John Reed out of Penn State, and then Isaiah Coulter, yet another wide receiver. So Isaiah Coulter fills out that wide receiver room, uh, and that's their six. Again, uh, conceivable that they trade one of these guys. But, George, I'll throw it to you first. How do you think they did in addressing needs? They don't have a ton of cap room, and whatever cap room they have, they're not going to fill because they need to have room 
for next year when Watson finally gets his deal. Or that, that could really happen at any time when Watson gets his deal and Tunsil uh, solidifies his deal as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, listen, and there's truth there where they got to worry about paying Watson, who I imagine at that point, I mean, Dak, will, I imagine, will set the new market to be $35 million. Watson's going to get more than that, right? You're going to keep going up. So it'll be 36, 37, 38 million. Who knows? So, yeah, you have to worry about that. I get that. You do. I, this is a team that doesn't see the value draft picks. They just don't seem to value it. And it's a strange way of going about things here. Do they fill needs? I mean, defensive tackle is nice, but those guys generally aren't impact players. I think maybe Blaylock uh, does a little bit more with uh, Blacklock. There's a little bit more with Houston because of J.J. Watt being there. He won't see double teams. So it'd be nice if he could split the gap there and uh, do something there. But I, I don't see it yet. Greenard, offside linebacker, heck. I mean, I don't think there's an impact player here. Yeah. Yeah, these are guys who fill out a team. That, and, listen, and that's not a negative. We, you need these guys. You need guys like this. But I think that's their best-case scenario, guys who yeah. fill out a team, not someone who's ever going to make an all-pro team be an all-star, Pro Bowl, somebody like that, or a game-changer. I don't think they got that here. So they traded away their biggest asset in Hopkins. As far as the rest of free agency is concerned, the only other impact guy they lost is DJ Reader, but he was a he was an impact player for them. Blacklock really replaces him, Joe, and I'm curious if you think Blacklock can step in, make some plays here, or if any of the other names mentioned uh, are the types of guys that can make impacts as a rookie. And I, I, it's more important to talk about the rookie seasons here because this is a win-now team. This thing's sort of falling apart. It, they have Watson, which is great. You can continue to build around the franchise quarterback, but their win-now window seems to be pretty tight. Yeah, it really does. And Blacklock is is a solid player. He's not an elite talent, though. He's an athletic guy. He can run sideline to sideline. He's not a big, physical, dominant defensive tackle. More speed. He's got a quick first step. think he could add 15 to 20 pounds of muscle to be a better player. I didn't see him dominate Big 12 offenses on each and every week, took weeks off. So that's what I saw out of his game. Again, he can come in. The one problem that I have in, in terms of what they drafted, they did not draft a game changer on the defensive side of the ball. I think the best player in the draft for them is Greenard. Uh, from Florida. He's an athletic uh, linebacker slash defense alignment that can come in and make plays, especially in run support, but he's not going to transcend that defense. He's not going to stop the bleeding like would happen when they face Drew Locke uh, at home. Uh, what was it? Week number 12. I mean, their secondary got burned. They were gashed on the ground. It's not going to change. And when you don't have an elite wide receiver, I'll say it again, Cooks, you like Fuller, where's the height in terms of their wide receivers? If they would have taken a no, team with that second pick, I could see it if they trade away Hopkins. But you don't get an elite wide receiver in this draft to address that need. That's a bad job by Bill O'Brien. Yeah, George, they, like you said, they, they don't appear to value draft picks that much. They've done a lot of trading. In many cases, trading away guys like Dwayne Brown, like Jadavian Clowney, like DeAndre Hopkins. But they tra they picked up Vernon Hargraves uh, on off of waivers middle of the season last year. So, again, front line of their defense is still pretty good. But we're talking about another guy in J.J. Watt, where do we know if he can finish a season uh, anymore? Uh, Whitney Merciless is still there. Benardrick McKinney is still there. So they, they have some guys that can, can ball out on defense. But, again, like I said to Joe, I feel like, the window on this team is closing. I think they can still be good this year, but the team's gotten a little bit thinner, and it's obviously not quite as explosive with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins there. But maybe with the improving offensive line, that helps Watson? 
Well, it can't hurt, right? His offensive line was not good last year. Yeah. It certainly wasn't good last year. That's why they traded for tons. That's why they felt the need to give up the uh, draft picks they gave up. And like I said, I don't mind that because I think uh, when you have a young quarterback, a young franchise quarterback, which is what Watson is, you do want to protect him. But from the games we watched, at least the games I watched last year, Watson made the line better. He's scrambling around back there and buying his himself time. They didn't make him better. They didn't, maybe they gel this year and they play better. But it didn't happen last year, at least not in my mind here. I think you're right, Mike. I think they are a team that's sort of built for now, which is weird when you have a young franchise quarterback. I know. Every other position is just not there. there are, to me, the wide receivers, yes, if everything works out well, it's talented. But uh, who knows uh, with injuries? David Johnson, I mean, Joe's right. He's done some things. I, would, I don't know if I call him a journey, but he's only been with two teams. But he's more of a fantasy player than a true running back who's going to you know, get you first downs here, here, here. I don't want to say the tight ends are really, really nondescript here. I don't like what they've done. I just yeah. don't like what they've done. And Bill O'Brien, it seems like if you if he doesn't get along with you, you're gone. And he'll give he'll just trade you for anything. Clowny, yeah, we'll pay you to go play with somebody else. Dante Hopkins, sure. We'll take a second. And David Johnson, sounds good because I can't get along with you. In my mind, then the problem is you. Agree. And, and we remember how he sort of botched when they were on Hard Knocks. How he botched the the quarterback battle there it was between Hoyer and Ryan Mallett. Remember he announced and and. There was some confusion as to how he announced, and then he didn't start Deshaun Watson. He started, uh, God, who was the guy that he started over that first week? Tom Savage. He started over Deshaun Watson when it was obvious that that wasn't uh, the right maneuver. I, I think it does become tricky to be coach and GM, uh, beyond tricky. And I, I think, again, like I said, I, I feel like they're chasing their tail in some instances. Now, you talked about that starting quarterback, that young quarterback, I think that does put teams in win-now mode. I think to some extent, O'Brien is recognizing that, that he has Watson on the cheaper deal. So he's put some talent around him, but he's also got rid of Clowney and Hopkins. So he's he's managing the cap and I think chasing his tail to do it. So when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the passing, the unfortunate passing of Don Shula, one of the greats of the game, Joe Lisi, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and Georgie, a lifelong NFL fan, as am I. So... Uh, I thought the sentiments were really good surrounding Shula. We'll talk a little bit more in detail about those after the break. We're coming right back on the grid right here. You want the edge, stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes and stafford and mutual weave for him style and comfort for all even big and tall plus even more for the whole family like levi's and exertion here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc penny make everybody count with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Back on football full circle, talking about Don Shula, one of the greats of the game, uh, passed away earlier this week. Uh, and, and the one thing I would say, guys, is that I, I thought from some of the tributes I saw, and I didn't, uh, I haven't been watching it uh, on a loop or anything, but from some of the tributes I, I saw, I thought the sentiments that were uh, sort of explained by people or uh, espoused by uh, some of his former players and, and coaches were really genuine. That was the thing that hit me the most. A lot of times people give you the thoughts and prayers and a little quick shout out on social media, but that wasn't the case with him. And, and as George, as you aptly put it during one of the breaks, he really is one of the icons of the game. Uh, he's the winningest coach of all time. He had 33 seasons as an NFL head coach and only two of them we're losing seasons. So there were a lot of tributes out there that I thought uh, were really memorable. I, I thought it was clear that he was loved by his players and family and the community at all. You know, uh, with Don Shula, I think he's one of the uh, great coaches of the game. I know uh, when I first started uh, watching football, you're talking uh, mid-70s, it was Don Shuler, Chuck Knoll, Tom Landry. Right, Those were the three icon coaches, uh, guys who you uh, – you know, you always expected them to win. You know, there's always a debate. How much, how many points does a good coach get you? You know, how many, how many extra points does Don Shula get you? Because when you call you Don Shula versus, you know, Joe Smith, how many extra points is Don Shula worth? You knew you had to work extra hard. He was just a, a great coach for a team for a long time. You'll never see it nowadays. You know, outside of Bill Belichick, no coach, maybe Tomlin a little bit, but no coach is going to get 20 plus years. Yeah, you know, since when you, uh, when you fail in the early years, you know, think of Tom Landry and the Cowboys, Shula somewhat as well. They failed in the early years. Yeah. They would they wouldn't be around. Right? You'd be gone. Two years Chuck gone. Too. Chuck Chuck Noll, too. Chuck Noll as well, right? Uh, these guys were allowed to build build what they wanted to build with these organizations and become the, the coaches they become. Are they uh is Don Shula on the Mount Rushmore of coaches? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I would say so. And and I'll tell you one other person who has a lot of respect for football history, 
said it as well. Patriots coach Bill Belichick released a statement on the passing of Don Shula. Uh, Quote, Don Shula is one of the all-time great coaching figures and the standard for consistency and leadership in the NFL. I was fortunate to grow up in Maryland as a fan of the Baltimore Colts, who under Coach Shula were one of the outstanding teams of that era. My first connection to Coach Shula was through my father, whose friendship with Coach Shula went back to their days in Northeast Ohio. I extend my deepest condolences to the Shula family and the Dolphins organization. So, uh, Joe, that's Bill Belichick, who is as avid a historian of the game as anybody uh, has ever lived. So his thoughts on Don Shula as well. Just a great leader of men. And and you see the players that came out with their statements over the last couple of days to shed their support for Don Shula. I mean, an offensive mind. That's that's what I think of Don Shula. You know, the drafting of Dan Marino, the tutelage at the quarterback position, and the ability to take his team to not only uh, conference championships, but division championships and Super Bowls, respectively. So uh, it's just a great, great loss for the Dolphin community. But, you know, hopefully we'll, we're headed in the right direction and can hoist the Super Bowl within the next few years to honor him. Yeah, I know you're a lifelong Dolphins fan, so you you grew up. Really, Shula was your guy, you know, like much like yeah. me with Chuck Knoll. You just got used to seeing that on the sidelines, and it was a shock to the system when they were no longer coaching there, right? You, your, your torch, my torch, as in fandom, got passed to Bill Cower after 20 years. Yours passed to Jimmy Johnson. So it was one great coach to another. But that really was a shock to the system when our guys weren't on the sidelines anymore. Yeah, I mean, Don Shula, you just think of Miami Dolphins. It's it's rare that you think of a head coach with a program, especially in today's game, right? You mentioned a couple of them, Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin. Outside of that, maybe Pete Carroll to Seattle. But outside of that, we really don't put coaches to, with, with the NFL teams anymore like we did back in the late 70s, 80s, and 90s. And and he's a Hall of Famer. And he really, I think, kick-started. You could think of Air Coriel, but this offensive ingenuity where you put five wide out and just throw it on each and every play, that's what he had with Dan Marino in 1984, and it's a year that I'll never forget. George, is there anybody more memorable that's been affiliated with the Dolphins organization than Don Shula? Is it Marino or is it Shula? I mean, you could argue Marino. I think you can, but, you know, Shula won the Super Bowls. Marino didn't. Right. So I think if you're going to come down to that, uh, I mean, I wish you would have asked me this question without talking about this. I would have liked to know what name first came in my head. You know, Larry Zonka to a certain point as well. But I'm going to go Shula here. Uh, I know, listen, I was around for both. I was certainly around for all of Marino, not all of Don Shula. But I'm going to go with Shula here if I had to do a tiebreaker purely because, A, he's also up there, what, uh, as far as wins as a head coach. He won yeah. Super Bowls. Marino didn't. So I'm going to go Shula. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so and, – and I think to some extent because of the era in which he coached Joe – coaches were more iconic then George laid it out why and and we've all laid it out why they coached in these places for 20 years the players were far more expendable than the coaches were coaches become more expendable now uh, in the modern era and and certainly in the last couple of decades of football but uh, I think that's part of it I, I think he really did stand the test of time and look sometimes I think people especially younger fans, I'm not being the get off my lawn guy, but I think younger fans sometimes roll their eyes at the 72 Dolphins for popping the champagne when the last team loses. 
I've come to sort of appreciate it. I think it's funny um, to some extent. And also, you know what? Screw everybody else. They are the only undefeated team. So if somebody else wants to keep them from opening champagne, run the table. Yeah, why not? I mean, I, again, that was I was a year old when when that team won the Super Bowl back in 1972. So I mean, honestly, we haven't seen it. We saw New England go undefeated in the regular season and then losing the Super Bowl to my uh, to the Giants, and that was the last time that from a a new perspective that we've seen a team run the table in the regular season. So, I, I mean, granted, I, I, that's where coaches are. But I'll say this. I just think the game has changed so much where coaches aren't respected as much, even in today's game. Uh, it's just a different mindset, different landscape with today's athlete. But Don Shula, when you think of Don Shula, you just think of Miami Dolphins. And as a Dolphin fan, it's just sad that he can never win a Super Bowl with, with Dan Marino because – that was his guy and a quarterback that he really brought onto the scene and coached up. Yeah. So, George, yet another quote from another um, big player in today's game or, or big coach in this instance. Uh, we lost a true legend. This is my, Coach Mike Tomlin. Uh, we, lost, quote, we lost a true legend in our profession today with the passing of Coach Don Shula. I have so much respect and admiration for what he brought to the game and to life in general. He was a trailblazer who will be missed greatly. Now, like I said earlier, I think a lot of people can say those niceties about a lot of people, but it seems that it's really genuine in this instance. I think coaches and gentlemen that are in the coaching profession uh, really looked up to him in a way, and, and he's on that Mount Rushmore. The only other names, I Bill Belichick is making his way onto it, but the other guys are really Paul Brown, George Hallis, Don Shula, Vince Lombardi, like those are the names. Those are the top names in the in the industry. Uh, I think Belichick's more than made his way. I think he, Bel yeah. Belichick's on it. I don't think you can. Uh, <laughs> I think you talk about him without putting him. You might. You can argue about the rest of them. I'd probably go Belichick, Shula, Lombardi. Boy, I guess you got to uh, flip a coin between Hollis and Brown there, and one's one's got to go. Yeah. One. Is that I need a big amount. I need a big amount. I need five. I need All five. Right, I need a big amount. Uh, listen, you may need more. I mean, I think Nolan Landry deserves some uh, consideration here as well. But Agreed. they're not quite there if you're only going four. Yeah, but uh, I don't think it's – I joked during the break, you never heard a negative thing about Don Shula, whether it was while he was coaching, while he was after coaching. You never heard anything negative. That's not to say it wasn't out there, but I say you never heard it. And granted, he was around during a time when there was no social media, so who knows if things would have come out there. You never heard that he was, uh, you know, a taskmaster, Tom Coughlin type. Uh he wasn't quite the uh, media darling that Bill Parcells was. Parcells was fun. You never know what he might say there. He certainly wasn't explosive like Mike Ditka, who was going to go up and Lord knows say what. He yeah. just seemed to be true to himself. You know, he's somebody I know as a football fan, I certainly respected. You know, I wasn't looking forward to the, when the Cowboys played the Dolphins, never looking forward to that game because you knew you were going to get a tough game. So it's uh, sad that he passed away. And it, uh, you know, but in my mind, I think I got to put him as one of my top four. So I think he's on the mountain, but so is Belichick. Yeah, so you got Shula Belichick. Um, I have to have Lombardi. He went to my high school. Plus, he's Vince Lombardi, oh. so I have I to have him Sabalos on there. Tell online because he went to my high school, so fine. <laughs> no, what Telly up there? Kojak, Kojak's, Kojak's up there. All right, so I, I'll, I'll I'll read one last tweet about Shula Joe because I, I thought this summed it up nicely. It's from Andrew Siciliano uh, from the NFL Network. Uh, Don Shula had 21 interceptions. Was part of a 15-player trade. Played for Paul Brown. Coached Unitas and Marino, won 347 games and two Super Bowls. He coached the NFL's only perfect team and was a wildly successful businessman. Five children, 16 grandkids, five great-grandsons. What a life. Rest in peace. 
that's a full life, 90 years old. Uh, a lot of times you're sad when people pass away, and you, but in, in this instance, it's become a genuine sort of celebration of the type of person that he was. Yeah, a full life, Mike. And you could even throw in Earl Morrill in there for uh, for Baltimore back in the day that he coached. And how about this? When he was with the Dolphins, he almost had 3,000-yard rushers, Zonka, Jim Kick, and Mercury Morris just missed it by a hair. Think about that. 3,000-yard rushers. I mean, have, have could you see that in today's game? So that's what Don Shula, you know, brought to the table. And I'll just throw this in about Mount Rushmore. He's on my Mount Rushmore in terms of great coaches, but you got to throw in Bill Walsh in there as well because, yeah. I mean, you know, four Super Bowls as well. He doesn't seem to get mentioned, but he's the type of head coach that really epitomized what Don Shula did in Miami and just did with San Francisco as well. So two class acts, in my opinion. George. Walsh, he wasn't around long enough to really be mentioned with the other guys. I think if he would have wanted, if you wanted the coach – you know, another decade, sure. I mean, he was so innovative. I guess I get where you're going with it, but I don't be like I can't put him ahead of Noel Landry, and these guys who guys who coached much longer than he I did. Think, yeah, I think when you're parsing these types of arguments, I, I, you know, as great as even Walsh may be better than some of them, that is highest heights of the guys that we're talking about. But you know, 347 wins, um, he didn't come anywhere near that. But again, he he walked out on top, so so that was his call, Joe. Yeah, he did. Uh, and and again, I remember games specifically, 1982, guys, Miami-San Diego, that playoff game where they fell behind to Wes Chandler and Kellen Winslow, and they Hook lost. Them Unbelievable. One of the best professional uh, NFL playoff games I have ever seen, even though they lost. That's what epitomized Miami and, and just rooting for the Dolphins back in the day. Yeah, I, I'd say that that's in my lifetime, George. Just probably my the most memorable Dolphins game that I've watched, uh, and and clearly that uh, Washington Miami Super Bowl was something that I remember. Riggins got the better of them in that game, but uh, those were those moments were, were ingrained in my mind as a, a young football fan. I remember that game the most when Joe's talking about before the forty-one thirty-eight. I might also go to the Mud Bowl, the AJ Dewey game as well. That was a game yes. that always sticks in my head. Yeah. Uh, good stuff out of you guys today. We'll be back with another episode of Football Full Circle someday soon. On behalf of Joe Lisi and George Kurtz and our producer, Brian. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first like worthington and liz claiborne for her each in women's petite and plus sizes and stafford and mutual weave for him style and comfort for all even big and tall plus even more for the whole family like levi's and exertion here spring comes in all shapes sizes and colors jc penny make everybody count with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Awards Watch says Liam Neeson is at his best. Don't miss In the Land of Saints and Sinners. Having left his dark past behind, retired hitman Finbar Murphy, played by Neeson, leads a quiet life in a remote coastal Irish town. But when a menacing crew of terrorists arrive, Finbar is drawn into a vicious game of cat and mouse, forcing him to choose between exposing his secret identity or defending his friends and neighbors. In the Land of Saints and Sinners, from Samuel Goldwyn Films and Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Watch it now on digital. Rated R. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.